Welcome to Fright Night. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got an heart. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. Sequels. Oh my god. What did we say our first episode? Do you think we said, hey everybody, what's up? Probably. I don't know. I don't think. Well, you know what? I don't think we did because that day, I believe, is when the hey everybody, what's up? But the hey everybody, what's up actually originated in a video. Because if you remember when we first started, even before the first podcast was launched. We were launching on Facebook and we were doing like the 30 days of horror movies. Yeah, yeah. And the the day we got together to record the first podcast, we did a quick video of like that day. Instead of a post, we did a video and we started the video and I was like, hey, everybody. And you popped in with literally like the what's up? And And it just stuck. Stuck. (laughs) And here we are. Seven years later. 200 episodes later. Oh, my land. 200 episodes. How have we banked 200? little sparkle. Oh, my gosh. I hate what, what is up, everybody? We should What worry. is up? <laughs> what is up, everybody? It is bananas. I think I didn't even, and you know what? You put up that Instagram post and I legitimately was crying at my, at my Oh my God. I, I, I welled up with tears too. Because I like, I didn't even realize, you know, today we had seven years ago today, we recorded our first episode and like, not ironically, yeah, that today we are recording and over the weekend is actually when I realized that this was going to be episode yeah, two. Yeah, what you were doing, you were doing some you were doing the work you were really i mean that's overhauling stuff yeah not to give you anybody a peek too big of a peek behind the curtain but yeah you overhauled a lot this weekend for us so i am eternally thankful for that and that's why we got to start making the big bucks so that we can hire somebody to do that kind of crap that's true that's true i have no idea what i'm doing (laughs) oh me neither um but yeah here we are 200 episodes in and we still have no clue what we're doing and i love it and I love it. I also love more than anything, the fact that I get to spend all of this time with you because it is truly a beacon of light in my, in my life. It's so nice. And, and, you know, I made a quick mention of it, but like, it is insane to me to think of the things that we have been able to do because of this fun little hobby, you know, mm-hmm. this is the Agreed. shit that we were doing in college. We just didn't have a microphone and a platform to do it, but this was us sitting around smoking cigarettes and ashing yeah. into people's coffee mugs, uh, <laughs> talking shit and then talking about movies and things We weren't like that. using the coffee mugs as coffee mugs at our defense. No, we filled them with water and just ashed into them because for some reason we couldn't go get to the dollar store and get a friggin' get ash- an Why an ashtray. Why were there never ashtrays in the Why did we never have an ashtray, right? We smoked for all those years and yet we never owned an yeah, ashtray. Because we, we were classy. Just- we were we, we just put water in a cup and we would use that who needs an ashtray when you've got a water cup oh fucking college students i don't even what think we were i don't even think we were supposed to smoke in those dorms but meh here we are no we were allowed i think it was like senior year that they kind of started to cut down on smoking in the dorms could you imagine we went to school at a time where smoking indoors was still okay ah that's where the days i remember <laughs> going to clancy's in Pittman. And there yeah, was the smoking, smoking section and the non-smoking section. I know. Dems were the days, Jackie. You what know, can I tell and you? that whole invisible wall that somehow really protected everybody right? from our <laughs> secondhand smoke. I'm so sorry to everybody who had ever had to deal with my secondhand smoke. And I'm so <laughs> thankful that I'm 20 years out from being a smoker. Almost 20 years out from being almost a smoker. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. 
my goodness, we were gross. All right, more importantly though, let's jump in because we are still in the month of the exorcism and we are knee deep. Actually, we're more like Pazuzu deep in this. Yeah, we are we, <laughs> we are Pazuzu deep. And tonight uh, we actually are kind of, uh, we're not kind of, we are literally going to talk about two movies, uh, uh, but we can like subtitle this, uh, what what did I say? The, the lesser of the exorcist yeah movie? we're gonna save you the trouble you guys because if you haven't seen the exorcist part two and if you haven't seen the prequels we're gonna save you the time because i gotta tell you i don't think i'll ever get those couple hours back no no we, yeah. we will not and it's it's unfortunate um you know <laughs> this is unfortunate it is it's one of those things where it's you know when it comes to exorcist part two the heretic Mm-hmm. uh it comes out Pazuzu Boogaloo is what they really missed a missed opportunity comes out that. in 1977 and it's like this this was like you don't need a sequel like what are you doing this is like unsanctioned from William Peter Blatty's sequel like there's what a, do you there's like, a lot. Yeah. like sometimes and- it's okay to let a movie just be a single movie and then we can move on. And with this our lives. was before guaranteed franchises, right? So, like, yeah. in some way, shape, or form. Well, so from okay. So, my source material for this episode is largely The Exorcist Legacy: Fifty Years of Fear, uh, the book by Nat Siegeloff that we have joint custody of. I love that we have joint custody. <laughs> we do. That's we have joint custody of a nice. book, and yeah. even she, I think, struggled to find anything meaningful to say. But what blows my mind about this this movie is that on paper it should have been okay. John Borman, the director gives us deliverance right before this film right and deliverance is brilliant and he has a lot of other brilliant films like point blank uh you know all these other great films then the writer william goodhart is like a stage writer and i think that is evident in the terrible writing of this film respectfully because i wrote down lines that really irked my soul but one of my biggest is when (laughs) reagan is like i was possessed by a demon but i'm okay now to the little girl Mm -hmm. i'm like "Mm." That's not something we just tell people, Reagan, because they're going to think you're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Like, (laughs) there were so many cringy lines. Like, if I had, we should do a drinking game called Every Time They Say Pazuzu in this movie. Because (laughs) in the first movie, Pazuzu scares the the Pazuzu out of me. But in this movie, it almost, like, I don't think they meant it to be as funny as it is. I have the note about Pazuzu. I have a note that says, OMG, Pazuzu is bananas bananas funny like crazy funny like yeah. the the character like the when we do flashbacks in this movie of reagan as like the pazuzu reagan, oh my god yeah i mean it's very clearly a different actress uh, linda blair said she it's... is not going through that again so it's very yeah, she said she actress. refused to wear the makeup yeah yeah she was like i'm not doing the prosthetic thing again but the and it's not that the actress that did it did a bad job it was just it everything in this movie became so over the top and almost campy to the point of like the exact opposite of the fear that the first movie gave us this one was just you know it it was almost like evil dead and evil dead 2 yeah and then but accidentally but yeah (laughs) i don't think they meant it to be funny but there were parts of this oh it's funny what the hell fucking james earl joe dressed as a giant um locust that shit is funny But the act. So the other thing that blows my mind, Jackie, was that the pedigree, the actors in this film, Judy Richard Burton, fun mm-hmm. fact, almost played by Christopher Walken. 
which would have been a whole different movie. Um, as Father Lamont, Linda Blair comes back, even though she didn't want to. She should have listened to whoever told her not to come back. Yeah. And then well, Louise Fletcher. Yeah, no. Fresh off an of an Oscar. There yeah. is an all-star cast that comes, you know, like I said. Well, I had read that Linda Blair, the movie that ended up happening is not the movie that Linda Blair signed on for. But at the point when it got to be their filming, she was contractually obligated to be there. So it oh, she was Pazuzu was, deep in it too at that. Yeah, point. it yeah. was much different than the movie that she signed on for. Correct. Um, and, and I mean, even what is it? Max Max von Sydow comes back mm -hmm. as as Marin. There's a really heartbreaking part in the in the uh, Siegeloff book where she talks about how William Blatty and Friedkin like called him during filming and he was like, "Dude, I I this is so bad and and I just needed the check and oh, I regret oh. it." So it was so sad. But those two also didn't help anything because they actively rooted for this thing to fail, right? Like yeah. I get that Friedkin and Blatty didn't want to come back, but they really just set this film up from the get-go. And one of the things that I loved that I'm going to quote uh, Siegeloff again is she said this film was born in cynicism, executed in confusion, and released in complete fear and chaos. And I think that's so poignant because this film literally had no chance from the get-go. And they were going to do like this weird like kind of rehash remake where they were going to use original footage or something like mm -hmm. that. And that sounded terrible too. But like when this movie came up, I, I mean, literally, they had to go back and fix after the first weekend. It got so torn up by audiences and by critics that, like, they went back and they were like, crap, we need to redo it. Like, everything about this film oh was just goodness. a giant disaster. And watching it is is still so painful to this day. Um, it's just so cringy. It's so problematic. I, seems <laughs> God. <laughs> I, was saying, I don't like what they, like, I don't like that Ragin, Ragin. I don't like that Reagan became like a like a magical character. I, I don't like that she suddenly oh, see, I had didn't like the, the meta human the psychic thing. link thing. I, I wasn't a fan of that. I wanted Reagan Fair like, enough. after the first one, you know, she's she's just back to being a average human without any sort of superpowers or anything like that. And and I don't like I don't I don't love that they made her magical. Metahuman, if you will. Metahuman. I did like, so one of the things that frustrated me was that there were so many interesting themes running through the film that I was like, oh, maybe I'll be able to say, like, maybe this film will say something cool by the end about like metahumans or like the idea of extreme good at Reagan as a character who's like this extreme good in life because there's so much extreme evil and like the diametric opposition of those two things. Or like, I was even like, oh, maybe as goofy as this Paris psychology is like this ridiculous machine she has where they can not only get hypnotized, but go into each other's hypnotized mm -hmm. states. Yes. All of this baloney might say something really cool about something, but it doesn't. <laughs> I, I also kind of felt like I didn't, I didn't like the the idea that Reagan was still somehow possessed. Like Pazuzu was still within her. Um, because it like it yeah. negate to me, it negated like Karis's sacrifice and Marin's sacrifice from the And first the idea movie. that Pazuzu was really like really going after everybody else, that that was just the vessel yeah. he right. Um also why did Pazuzu have a girl voice at the end? <laughs> so why many choices did so many that why did reagan stand on the roof with birds like why yeah why did she she was like the she's like a pigeon farmer <laughs> yes like the, yeah, I was she's, messed for, she's messed like, up like i was looking for like the metaphor because like the locust thing 
And I'm like, okay, so we're, we're, we're going hours, hard sure we with go. Right. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm like, are we supposed to think like locust plague and Pazuzu's possession is like a plague and we're going to pass on the possession to other people? Because something clearly happened to Richard Burton's character at one point. And like, yeah, people going into each other's hypnotism dream. No, no nothing know. ever paid off. <laughs> like, I tried. Moment. I tried to try Me too. Me too. I tried so and hard. I'm like, what, what's the point of what's the point of the locust what's the point of of james Earl jones turning into a lion at one point like i don't, I don't understand <laughs> even like reagan okay i was like okay maybe they're gonna say something really interesting because like you know piggybacking off of my theories about like monstrous feminine and all that stuff i was like maybe they're gonna really take you know like now she's 17 there's gonna be something really interesting like no it's just creepy more creepy inappropriate relationships with priests more cringiness i i just oh that's just bleh did you read about the scene that they cut? I did. Like, uh, yeah, it's apparently sticky. at one point there was a scene where Richard Burton was supposed to like force himself on Reagan. Which he um, almost does in the movie. Uh, yeah. Well, apparently it was going to be a lot more. Oh, and Linda Blair God. was like, um, he's 45. I'm 70. Linda Blair stood up for herself and she's like, we're not doing this. And so apparently it was supposed to get Thank way more Lord. rapey. Ugh. And it was Linda already was, too rapey. Yeah. Linda Blair was like, we're not doing this. I'm 17. So right. like, yeah. good for her. Yeah. Because yeah. seriously, it was so creepy the way it was, the way it was. It was funny. Cause I read about all of in, in the book, she goes over all the scenes that were cut and she's basically like, and none of this would have helped. Like it was, <laughs> none of it. And yeah, so this is this is the episode where we were like, well, crap. Now we're we're Pazuzu deep in this, so we got to keep going. And that's why we wound up doing the, the prequels for this episode too. Which I, Jackie, I have to give you credit for. It was a brilliant choice because I have literally nothing else to say about the Exorcist too, other than don't waste your time. The and- only other thing that I can say about the Exorcist too is is that um, it pisses me off how bad it is as someone who loves the book and loves the movie like i literally have like you remember um like mrs and mr bighead from rocco's modern life like legitimately i was like how dare you like (laughs) you were worked up yeah you were worked up i'm like this movie is i put this movie is so bad it offends me as somebody who loves the book and the movie so much. Like it, Fair. it took me three days to watch this movie because I would watch a little bit, get annoyed, get mad, get bored, get whatever. This is dumb. Turn it off. It took me three days to watch. Fair this enough. Movie. I fell asleep at least ten times while. Oh watching my it. god, this movie. Yeah, and I'm like, we can't. You know, we can't just. There have was an no time and a half yeah. because it was on a streaming device that wouldn't let me speed yeah, it up. We couldn't speed it up. We had yeah. to watch it like regular yeah. ass people. Yeah. Uh, and that was terrible. And that was terrible. And every bad review, every critique, there is really just nothing to say in defense of this film. It tried for something. Listen, and I even was like, what if I took The Exorcist off of it? What if this was just a movie about possession? Would I have? Would I be like? Am I being unduly harsh to it because of its tethering to a classic film? But no, it's just. I don't think it's, so. It's, it's just poor. It's boring. It's it off. Poorly written. It's poorly it's written. And yeah. it's not poor. I mean, in their defense, it's not poorly acted. The score no. wasn't too bad. The directing isn't terrible. Apparently, Borman got like sick while he was making it. Apparently, there were all these like issues with money and timing and all this other crap. But like, 
just the plot and the writing and the overall lack of cohesiveness, the, the, the going back and forth between Africa and America. And it's just, oh, nothing worked. It's just, it's a train wreck of a film. It It is. And like I said, I, after watching it, I, I think I had said, texted you right away. and was like, we need to flesh this out more because it's going to be 10 minutes of us just <laughs> shitting on the movie shitting and being like, film, yeah. well, <laughs> well, have a good night, everybody. Check us out on social media. <laughs> Episode 200. <laughs> Woo! Um, uh, no, so yeah, no, very cleverly you suggested we dive into the prequels as part yeah, of this I figured, episode. You know what? Because, because The Exorcist 3, uh, clearly a much better movie, you know, and also we can kind of tie in a bit of the book Legion, which is the direct sequel of the exorcist um so i was like you know what if we're gonna if we're gonna cover the majority of the universe i think the only thing we're really not touching on is the tv show which is okay like i said i saw the first season and it does some things with the story that is okay like it wasn't bad so there are two prequels to the exorcist so in 2003 paul schrader i think his name is yeah, um, Schrader. He he uh, signs a deal with the production company Morgan Creek. We're going to do a Exorcist uh, prequel. And he films this Exorcist prequel. And the studio is like, mm, we wanted a little bit more blood and guts. This is, little, this is a little bit too much psychological thriller and not as scary. Uh, so they basically shelf the movie. They fire the director. And then they hire another director. And Paul, Sh- I think it's worth mentioning, Paul Schrader has a really, really impressive impressive ped- pedigree. I mean, even if we put cat people aside, he wrote American Gigolo, Raging Bull. He wrote City Hall, um, Bringing Out the Dead. I mean, he's he's definitely an impressive person. And and I think a writer who is is does interest he wrote taxi driver for crying out loud i'm burying the lead there um you know like there's definitely there's so much to be said about what he can do as a writer and director so it was it was crazy to me that they even second guessed yeah, what he the, was trying the to studio do studio was like this is not what we want we didn't want psychological thriller like we want more so yeah they fire him they hire rennie harlan to come in and direct and then of course they take the scripts and then they completely redo the script there are some very similar elements but they redo the script so i personally uh watched exorcist the beginning directed by rennie harlan first because i didn't realize when i saw that one came out in 2004 and one came out in 2005 i thought it was just kind of a sequence thing well skipping to the end the one directed by Rennie Harlan, the one called Exorcist the Beginning that came out in 2004, it bombed so hard mm-hmm. that the studio turned around and went, you know how we were going to do your movie direct video JK, let's just make your movie, like, let's we're going to put your movie out. They give them a shit budget, but they are able to put the movie out. It comes out in 2005, and, then- and that one is titled Dominion the prequel to the exorcist not at all confusing they're really trying to drive home uh which you know which one is which and i can say that exorcist or i'm sorry dominion the prequel to the exorcist of the two prequels that is the one that william peter blatty threw his support at he was a big fan of it he liked the script he liked what the director was doing um 
And actually, it's funny. I had read an, uh, a little anecdote that Exorcist, the beginning, the one directed by Ronnie Harlan, uh, William Peter Blatty and Paul Schrader went to a showing of that. Yes, together. Got, yeah, they actually got kicked out of the movie theater for laughing and like basically being rowdy teenagers. Um, so they were removed from the theater for that. But but anyway. But I don't blame them because looking at Dominion and looking yeah. at what the other one is, I, I don't blame them for being shitty yeah, about I it. I mean, the- uh, Exorcist the beginning is such a, you know- so we have the rubbish. same actor playing a younger version of Father Marin. Um, oh, I forget his name. It's it's a Skarsgård. It's Stellan the, Stellan Star. Okay, Stellan. Thank. You. I was gonna say it's the Skarsgård from Thor. So Stellan Skarsgård yeah. plays Father Marin, the younger version of Father Marin in both movies, and they are similarly set. They're doing an archaeological. They are doing an archaeological archaeological dig, dig in that Kenya. Hard words yeah. are. Yes, they're doing an archaeological dig. And in both movies, we have this similar situation of, you know, a church has been found buried and Marin is there, but he's lost his faith and he's just there as kind of like an Indiana Jones style dude. And a lot of the cast was recast because when it came to refilming scenes for Exorcist, the beginning people were not available. So it's like the younger priest in both movies is played by a different character. And, you know, the characters that are afflicted by Pazuzu in one movie, it's a completely different story in the other. Exorcist- the Bonkers beginning... how much, like, yeah, they just kind of, re like, they just were like, yeah. oops, let's try again. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and there's even like, there's like in, in Exorcist, the beginning, the, like, the really afflicted, the, the character that you think is possessed is a little boy named joseph uh it's either joseph or james well those same little boys are in dominion but the one that gets like they think is possessed in the beginning in dominion he's one of the little boys killed in the christian school like it's so it's like they're oh, using interesting some of, okay yeah, like they're using some of the same characters but things i mean in exorcist the beginning the nurse she's the one that actually gets possessed and like she is kind of in like reagan pazuzu makeup like her face is all cracked mm. and gnarled and yeah like yeah i saw like i tried yeah. to watch like some of it yeah like it but it definitely it definitely was not as good as dominion like the exorcist the beginning i didn't think it was terrible i didn't go to that going like i hate this movie like it wasn't as offensive as the exorcist 2 it was just it was an okay, it was an okay horror movie. Uh, it had terrible CGI. And at one point there is a statue of Pazuzu and Pazuzu for some reason has really big nipples. I don't know why that was just like a thing mm. for me, but like my note was like Pazuzu, Pazuzu nipples. And he had a six pack. He had nipples and a, like a demon six pack. Nice. And I was like, okay. Working out. Yeah, no, I mean- it Nothing was, wrong with staying fit in the afterlife. No, That's what I say. Know. I'm not I didn't do it in my real world. So. I'm not going to kink shame Pazuzu, but- <laughs> Um, oh, but yeah, like you. it's like I said, having watched both just because I didn't know which one to watch, I assumed that like I should have watched that one, but I'm you know, like I said, it really wasn't it really there was no great shakes. It was okay, not great. Dominion, while it was slow in the beginning, Dominion was much better and a much more effective movie along the lines of 
the exorcist. I agree. It really like I I text I think I texted you during the first half and I was like, what in the fucking exorcist two is this crap? <laughs> but I, I honestly like by the time it was over, it was like, oh, I actually really enjoyed that. Um and bad CGI and makeup and choices in possession vibe <laughs> aside, because what the hell was Chi Chi's look like vibe at the end there oh my god at that one scene when he like looked like powder behind the rock and he's got like the white face paint he's on like, like trying to homage the i guess original pazuzu but like yeah, it I mean, just no, like looks he... like you have put a lot of white like grease paint oh on, it was so tacky on yeah. someone who was not a white person like no, it, it, looks, it was it just tacky, looked very yeah. strange the way they did that but i have to give dominion credit where credit is due because well first of all stellan skarsgård is a treat no matter which yeah. way you slice it he has eight little scars guards how how crazy is that bill and yeah, what are they the um, the whole scars guard fam like are they the wait, is he the dad or is he a he's brother? the dad he's the he's dad the of dad. eight children yeah and two of which his... are bill and the one from true blood <laughs> okay i was gonna say because yeah. like, i know that there was a true blood scars guard and i know that yep. there's obviously the guy from it yeah yeah and there bill kids. is the one and alex alex scars guard is the one from true blood Okay. Um, and they're all his kids, most by his first okay. wife and then a couple by his second wife. But um, I, I actually really loved the story of Marin's like loss of faith and then re regaining of his faith. I think it's a really profoundly interesting story. Um, the themes of this were beautiful. Like I loved Father Francis. I was so emotionally rooting for Father Francis, <laughs> who is, in my opinion, like proof positive of how many people get into religion with a good heart and then wind up inadvertently failing at it anyway like because yeah. one of the things i love the most about this is like the christian evil is spreading and like i, I when that line when when marin said that line i actually got like really like goosebumpy because mm-hmm. I, I think there's there's a really cool like what the exorcist 2 failed at in kind of juxtaposing to the religion the religions this movie did very well like I loved that the real threat of evil in this film was actually the humans, like yeah. what the British, you know, uh, colonizers and shoving their religion down the throat of the uh, natives in this in this little town. The conflict between them was really interesting to me. I could see why if you were going into it for a horror film, you'd be like, I don't think a teenager would enjoy this film. You know what I mean? Like this had no mar- mass marketability whatsoever, but- yeah the nuances of the religion tearing the people apart and and like i don't know about you but the scene in the in the in the school really got me like i was like that's fucked up like when they just shoot the the villager and then because like it opens with marin losing his faith because of a world war ii nazi incident where like they make him pick people in his town to die and it's really messed up Mm -hmm. but then they wind up so many people wind up dying because of the conflicts of the religion and because of the conflicts of the colonialization that this film has like kind of a lot going on that really spoke to my to like my love of like my conflict in myself with my faith personally versus my academic literal knowledge that religion tears us all apart and is fucking terrible and that evil lies in man and all that good stuff so i don't know it it spoke to me i liked it they the in in exorcist the beginning uh the way that movie ends so they have a similar plot line of basically the british colonizers versus the natives same thing where the natives are upset by what's going on and it's like who killed this person or who did this and they're kind of blaming each other so with the way that that movie ends so Marin goes underground with the nurse and the little boy that they think is possessed and it turns out it's the nurse that's actually possessed well you know 
hilarity ensues Marin <laughs> defeats you know Marin defeats the the pazuzu the woman does die but he's able to save the little boy so he and the little boy come like climbing up out of like an embankment and when they come up to the surface um the ground is littered with bodies of both colonizers and natives like mm. everybody is dead like they have just gone to this like little mini battle and like that's how the movie ends of the, those two you think it's like okay happy ending he saved the little boy everything's going to be okay and they come up to the surface and there are just bodies everywhere and that's, that's how it, it's like interesting <laughs> nihilism and <laughs> um so they did play with it there but they they did a much better job of translating that in in dominion and i did like when uh when chi chi was exercised i love that they did that flash to the hyena and the yes. eyes went red because in the very very beginning of the og exorcist movie you've got the wild dogs fighting and i liked the thought of like pazuzu just hung out in the animals and was waiting for marin and when Marin is in Iraq in the first movie and like we have that shot of the wild dogs and then we see the Pazuzu statue, like my brain just, I'm like, I don't know if that was done. I'm assuming it's done on purpose. I don't know. But my little heart is making that connection and going, I love that, that was Pazuzu was just waiting for him the whole time. Pazuzu I'm in it, lying in wait, following Marin all over and ended up in Iraq with him. And that's why we see the dogs and the whole nine. I love that. I love that reading of it. And I, I almost wish that this movie would have been made as the only prequel, because yeah. I think if Schrader would have gotten to make the movie that he wanted to, I think it would have been a really good movie. I think this is yeah. this is the Exorcist prequel for the thinking Exorcist fan. Um, and, and I love that about it. Um, yeah. So like I, I said, they the, the, the studio boned him on marketing. Oh, they boned sure. him on the budget like he got like the short end of excuse me, the short end of the stick on this one. Agreed. And um, I loved the the overall ar overarching reminder that like God and th the faith isn't necessarily the problem, but the human interpretation of it is. And that actually ties into something that I wanted to dive into a little bit. Um, because I, a lot of this, the like a lot of the statues and a lot of the just imagery in the film brought back to me the um, and like the kind of blurring between the 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 tribal ideologies and the 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 Christianity or Catholicism bought to me, bought me back to my roots of, of being raised by people who practice Santeria. And, um, you know, saints are obviously a huge part of Catholic life, right? I mean, uh, the, I don't know anybody in my family who doesn't have, as we officially call a burial, the half shell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I have one in my closet, like the, 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 the imagery of all the saints. So the St. Michael was an extremely uh, moving, I, I'm a sucker for a, a saint statue and, and I'm a sucker for the saints because I think I was raised in a Santeria family. And I wanted to just do a quick kind of deep dive into Santeria because I think it plays nicely to the themes in this film. And this is, of course, a, a religion that was born out of African slaves being bought to Cuba in the 1500s. And they obviously had to hide their religious ideologies, which were nothing like the Christian ideologies that were being mixed, were, the Catholic ideologies of Spain that were bought over to Cuba. So a lot of the history of Afro-Cuban Catholicism is, is blended with Santeria. So like as a kid, I was raised uh, with my grandparents in the house and my grandmother practiced Santeria. And 
a lot if you saw the imagery you would it would be like spooky to someone who wasn't familiar because it was these really creepy statues and there was occasional animal sacrifice and there was a lot of like pageantry of like laying all these saint statues around with all these weird like I remember one time a gun being in like the altar to the saints and I remember there being blood from chick like weird shit and it's all it's all so drippy and drabby in my head like I think I've blocked a lot of it out but like my catholic my 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 grandparents for all intents and purposes were Catholics, but they were they were practices of Santeria in a lot of ways too. So interestingly, of course, religion was banned in Cuba from 1959 on, thanks to you know the Marxist bullshit that came in with the revolutionaries. And what I loved about Santeria is that it's like, I learned a new word, syncretism, which is like a mishmash of different religions when they come together. And Santeria is really considered a mix of like Catholicism, African practices that are steeped in like voodoo and some other uh, tribal uh, pageantry and beliefs, and also Wiccan practices, because it's very big on like nature and, and you know, like uh, being connected to the earth itself. So um, I, a lot of my faith still lives in that. And so- when I think about myself as like someone who does believe, because I know that you as an atheist, you have such strong beliefs and they're so impressive. Like I kind of look at this, like this, you know, West African Yoruba tradition that, that Santeria is based in. And I look at the Catholicism that I also inherited and how most people who believe in Santeria are baptized Catholics. I, I thought this movie did a cool comment on the the truth of how universal like there's one scene in the film where they kind of talk about god as like like it's everybody's god like it doesn't matter which version of them you're talking about or which way you decide to celebrate it and one of my biggest frustrations as someone who does believe in a higher power i guess or a higher being is why can't we all just call it something else but all agree that we're all we're all looking at the same thing here and, and yeah. so again, like, I mean, given everything that's going on in the news, given everything that's so frustrating and so many wars and so many horrible things that are done in the name of religion all day, every day in this country and in this world, I can see why so many people are like, F this crap. But in that very personal way, I think that I find a lot of comfort in, in faith and I find a lot of comfort in the idea that my faith is a mishmash of all these different things mm-hmm. because I don't consider myself a Catholic. I consider, but I don't consider myself a Santeria follower either or Wiccan yeah. or anything like that. Like I, I just, I'm like, it, it's such a deeply personal and deeply mishmashed belief that I hold that I wouldn't even categorize it as any organized religion, especially because I hate organized religion. But I think this film does a good job of being like, like in the character of Father Lucas, like, there's nothing wrong with believing if your heart is in a good place with it. And his heart is very much in a good place. He teaches those children. He tries to bring father Marion back to, to his faith. He, you know, he, he's so good that like, I I just want to just remind everybody that it's okay to have the good of it all. Like we're so we're, we're such an academic and such a, you know, uh, thinking podcast that sometimes I'm like, I want that little piece of me to live on that, that brightness that comes from having faith in something like Mm -hmm. a a motivation to be good, I guess, as corny as that sounds. So, yeah, so that's my, that's my little PSA for tonight. No, I think, I think that's really nice. And and I've, I've said it before that like, I almost harbor a bit of jealousy for, for people like you that, that have that faith that have that when I have that need of comfort, I don't have that faith to 
fall back on and and it's like it's and like i think i've I've said this in an episode before where it's like that's kind of how i know that i truly in my heart of hearts do not believe because i have that jealousy of like i don't have that faith to fall back on for any sort of comfort or man i wish i did too i wish mine was strong enough to bring me solace (laughs) in moments of truth like you know what i mean like i'm with you i get it i'm jealous too i'm jealous of people who are so fully invested in their religion i really am there's but i'm also jealous of your ability to be like that's a bunch of hippie dippy baloney (laughs) like i just i wish i could land one way or the other like i feel like i'm I'm in constant state of flux when it comes to this stuff but yeah dominion wasn't a bad film i didn't hate it as much as i thought i would during the first like 40 minutes of it <laughs> yeah i also i i don't know like they like i said in it with with exorcist the beginning you know obviously Marin has lost his faith but like the nurse became a love interest very quickly and it's like in this one yes. i think they had that moment they had that moment in dominion a little smooch was, at the end and the but cheek. it was almost like you know when you it, it to me it was one of those like when you go through something with someone as traumatic you know like with with marin being with his I issue like that. that he went through with the holocaust and then obviously the nurse they don't really play on it in this movie as much as they in the did in the first one but she is a holocaust survivor now in uh... this movie like they you see the numbers very briefly on her arm and in this in in dominion they briefly talk about it chi chi at the end when he is possessed by pazuzu he is trying to he was basically making mention that like you know when she was in the camps she used her body to get her way like you know she you know left her friends she sold people out like she basically was doing what she had to do to survive in the camps in exorcist the beginning there's a lot more there's a lot more that has to do with the nurse being in the camps and who she was married to and what happened to her and you know they allude that she had been experimented on at one point because at one point she gets out of the shower and she's you know bleeding like menstrual bleeding but she was like this is impossible she's like there's nothing left to bleed like it is it is made mention that like she was you know there there's nothing there kind of thing so the holocaust survivor aspect of the nurse was much more of a plot point in the first one than it was in this one um but the thing i liked about dominion and you know i i giggle that i'm the one saying this but like i liked how subtly scary it was like this was not this was not overtly scary. This wasn't a gore fest. Like there was, you know, there was some like a little bit of an ick here and there. Like at the end, yeah. when Marin was like exercising Chi Chi. He started to, you know, like plague blisters. Something and, was and, going on. Yeah, he know, wasn't okay. Jewels on his face. But like that was it way more of a like thriller than a horror film. I yeah, yeah, and, and I liked how subtle. I mean, Chi Chi was he was creepy. He was scary. You know, he was, he was, you know, a a handicapped, like kind of invalid. He couldn't really speak very well. And when Pazuzu possessed him, like he healed him. And at one point, like he said, he's like, I make him beautiful. And like, suddenly he's like sculpted and he's ripped and his body is completely healed. Well, it was so interesting that evil did so much good for him. Like, again, like playing with that theme of like, you know well, what the real evil is what the real good is like and they were they thought he to, was like, healed yeah and one of the things that pazuzu i guess when he was trying to like i don't know if he was trying to take other souls or just 
supporters but with the nurse who was a holocaust survivor he was saying that like you know i'm trying to rewrite her past he's like trying to get her to forget everything that happened he did that with marin too he was like i can i can change the past we can go back to when you were pointing out people to, yeah, to kill promise of and of, yeah, yeah like there was a lot of promise of like i can fix you healing your I trauma can fix this yes mm -hmm. it, this pazuzu was all about armchair psychology and was like look babies, <laughs> i will fix you i know and that's side. i gotta tell you the like it's funny because there's not much that's tempting but the, the notion that especially post world war ii that something could come along and take away our collective trauma was such yeah. a fascinating theme for me too, because the same thing with Chi Chi was like the, the, the heart, like, I hate to say horror, but like the heartbreak of, of him having all these disabilities and having to live his life with so many struggles. And then you see him starting to get healed. And you know, like we know as the audience that it isn't, it isn't good, but yeah, it's this isn't a miracle that, that they believe it. I is. know it's almost pathetic and sad. Like that's another thing that breaks my heart about this movie is that the, the, the father Lucas character is almost like Charlie Brown with the football because throughout the whole film, he continues to try to believe in some good in the Christianity. And yet time and time again, he's let down by it. And I find that really to be an interesting statement on the danger of, of faith, right. And, and of the, the logical fallacy, which is believing in something to come along and make it better when humans just suck so bad in so many ways. I mean, we're talking about world war two level suck here. You know what I mean? Like we're talking about world war two trauma. And I think that that's a deep bunch of, of, of stuff to digest for an exorcist prequel. That was trying to yeah. be a mass marketed film, but I enjoyed it. I would say definitely skip Exorcist two, go right in, dive right into those prequels. Then, not you, you. I don't think you need to dive into Exorcist the beginning. Oh, fair I enough. Thanks just, for doing that for us, Jackie. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> like I said, you know what? Honestly, it wasn't a bad movie. I, I, I did. It wasn't a terrible movie. Wasn't as good as Dominion, but like, it's like I said, it's got more gore. It's got a. It's got a bit more. A, a bit more splash and pizzazz in the gore kind of it's it's the movie that the director didn't want to make it's not I mean, it's a little psychological thriller-ish but it's very showy like it's it's got to do you know it's got to do other stuff too so not a terrible movie but if you've only got time for one prequel watch dominion from from 2005 fair enough fair enough yeah yeah so next time we finally get to dig we finally get to get back to the good stuff and we get to yes. dive into the exorcist three which has become arguably a ginormous cult classic which i don't th i don't think i knew that i don't think i knew not until like i started doing some research i didn't yeah. realize how cult classic-y part three was i'm excited to do a rewatch i'm so, i'm excited to dive in because it's been a minute and i'm trying to figure out whether or not it deserves all of the cult classic love it gets <laughs> so uh stay tuned stay <laughs> tuned uh we hope you guys have enjoyed the the conversation on the lesser of the exorcist it's not it's not the best but you know what it's Still also canon. it's also episode 200 so we celebrate nonetheless we celebrate us those movies might not be great but you know what we, we are, are we are and here's fantastic. to 200 more oh my god yes <laughs> seven more years <laughs> oh my gosh if we're I, that'd be so exciting if we could somehow manage to record episode 400 on october gonna, 9th let's i'm gonna put something in my calendar in my cal please do seven years <laughs> from now put a reminder seven years from now we'll put the reminder in that we need to make sure we are at episode 400 on october 9th, on october 9th. oh Love my it. god 
I don't even yeah. want to think that we far. Sh- in the we should future. plan our 250th episode celebration, Jackie. Don't forget to check us out on social media. Find us on your favorite podcasting app and do the like, the thumbs up, the high fives, the things that make the algorithm gods happy that make us happy. Mm-hmm. And if you liked Exorcist 2, tell me because I'd be fascinated. Because we always are like, everything's so subjective. But then we came on tonight. We were like, you know, it's terrible. This movie. So yeah, if we're wrong, tell us why. Uh, I'll disagree with you respectfully. Respectfully. I feel like I had read, and I want to say Roman Polanski, but I might be wrong. Scorsese. Scorsese. Was it Scorsese? It was Scorsese. Okay. I was like, I'm like, there is some like a tour director that Ah, really liked something. I mean, Scorsese, whatever. Who? Who, somebody really lied to Scorsese. Really liked Exorcist 2. And they're like, yeah, this movie's beautiful. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I said no one ever. Um, hey, different strokes, right? Um, and on that note, <laughs> different strokes rude world. <laughs> yes, they do, Jackie. And uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> and uh, bye-bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Geekscape Network.